elusive madman, Willy Wonka. Well, I, just, I, just, I want to be a newscaster that has a brief cameo in some sort of like, like the next reworking of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Do you think it should be Tim Burton again? No. Actually, you know, here's... Oh, come on, here, one more time. Hear me out. Wes Anderson would kill it. Oh, that's yeah. who. That's who. It sh- that's who really should have done it. Hmm. Tim Burton was like. Tim Burton should have done it in the nineties. All right. I'll, let me put it that way. It's Jason Schwartzman, okay. a young Charles. He's the young Charlie. He's the young Charlie. Yeah. yeah. He's got a golden ticket. I think Jason Schwartzman would kill it as fucking Willy Wonka. I'm. So, I'm sorry because he's got that. <laughs> picture Jason Schwartzman. He's got that like I'm talking delicate thing, but then he can get real angry. Like he would kind of. I think, dude. And then Bill Murray could be like one of the rich kids' fathers, you know, and kind of revisit that stoic businessman uh, the thing. Augustus Glumped. Uh, don't get me started, uh, dude. I, well, yeah, I want to be. I just want to be like, a, like in a, in a suit with like old fashioned fifties glasses, and I'll just be like, uh, reclusive madman Willy Wonka, who is not from a particularly musical family, released this statement today, and it'll be like Willy Wonka playing a flute, you know, and like, but right. the, you know, it'll like it'll be a nod to who I am, you know. I'm going to go with... Uh, I don't want to drink this. Fuck. <laughs> what is it? Golden Monkey. Yeah. 9.5. Wow. Yeah. Slam it. I'll drink it. You want it? Yeah, because I only have one beer, so I might as well be a fucking golden yeah. golden monk. <laughs> let me let me wait till we fuck, till we're doing the house your weekend. I just hate the flavor. Got a golden monkey. I'll I probably I'll probably hate it worse. Do we have time to do a how was your weekend? That yeah, I think we're kind of doing it. This is a cold open. Yeah, well, look. Oh, man. Right. Yeah. But uh, well, in in reality, then um, let, let's do. How was your weekend? What's going on, Tom? Let's do What's it. Up? I mean, yeah, you you kind of had something. I had a tremendous week into weekend. Yeah, Chicago, Chicago. The song. That's the only part of the song I know. I yeah. was there. Is that a clue? <laughs> All right, I'll let me guess. It is. Shy town. Shy town. Yes. Yeah. I was there while Kanye West was there. <laughs> he followed me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't see you up there with Marilyn Manson and all them in, no, the, in the stadium. But one thing he did do, and I might take it personally, is that all the Uber fares were quite expensive mm. because there were so many Kanye heads in the Donda head space. Oh, that's oh, wow! That's, that's, everyone was in the city for that. Uh, there was just so many people there. I mean, I didn't see any of it. I just went to normal cool shows. Yeah, I went to podcast shows. I saw yeah. my friends who are in uh, um, Thought Cops. Kevin and Grant, nice guys. They did a very uh, interesting show. And then uh, I went over to see Who Are These Podcasts, uh, which is a fun a fun one, which these guys, uh, Carl, clips podcast bits and then makes fun of people. And it's Wait, great. And, um, he's not making fun of me, is he? Nah, well, he wouldn't have much ammo here. <laughs> have uh, you heard other podcasts? Uh, uh, allegedly. Yeah. So you know where he's coming from. Okay. I'm, I'd be more of the ammunition. Uh, (laughs) No, nobody better touch Justin. (laughs) Nobody talks about Justin but me. Nobody throws darts but me. Nobody touch me. That's right. Yeah, hands off. Hands off. Laissez-faire, as they say uh, in France. Tom, Um, did you uh, get in the deep dish? That's (sighs) what we all want to know. Oh, boy. How deep into the dish? The New Yorker's hot take. All right. Controversial, controversial. Did you? If you like cornbread... With tomato paste on it. Yikes. Whoa. You are in luck. Yeah, dude. <laughs> He's going in. Get all the way over to Chicago. Allegedly. Where you can eat like a filthy animal. Yeah. This what? thing they call... I had pizza twice over there. 
I, I went to Happy Camper on Justin's recommendation. Oh, yeah. That was better. Yeah, dude, because it's flat. Uh, so flat. <laughs> so flat. Matzo's flat. The the views expressed do not necessarily represent the views of the entire heavy hole podcast. Of course. It's just like that. It's like a large Lunchables pizza with a rim. I don't oh, understand. It takes God, 45 minutes to in. make. Uh, <laughs> when I got it, I was just like, I'm drunk and I hate it. When I'm drunk, I like everything, so that's bad. Which Jeez. place did you go? Jeez. Uh, we went to... Starts with uh, Pequods. Oh, yes. And actually, I did enjoy oh. the atmosphere. I enjoyed a lot of things about the thing, yeah. but it didn't sit well. The pizza didn't Yikes. sit well. Yikes. Oh, uh, guys. We... I. Oh, my. All right. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. Uh, guys, I could talk all day. I had such a great time at the show. I didn't eat a hot dog. You touched the bean, though. Touched the bean. I got to the bean, the big old bean. Yeah. That's. I would have gotten a hot dog out there in Chicago. <laughs> I should have. It was on my list. Uh, I look for some Polish food, too. Justin. What's up? What's going on? How you doing? Ooh, we're camping this weekend. Nah, I like it. Where? Yeah, oh, not, we don't want to know your your, uh, your exact location. Undisclosed location. This is not like the movie Hunted with uh, Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, I'm never going to tell you, but did manage to do some East End fishing because I had to. Hmm. Catching some weak fish out there. Oh, hey. That's, Surf that's why they got caught, right? That's right. They strong, though. They taste strong. You know, n- nothing like catching the fish, f- cleaning it up on the beach, going back to camp. Cooking it up, did a little surf and turf. Oh, beautiful! I like that. that. Uh, surf casting with a conventional reel. Oh, is my new favorite thing now. Okay. Well, get, as, what, as opposed to the spinner? As opposed to the spinner. You know, that's kind of like, um, yeah, that's what my dad. We, we got all sorts of crazy reels, but yeah, it's, I, I, I enjoy that too. It's got a different, yeah, different just edge kinda, to it. It's more like a throwing a yo-yo. Different, yeah, <laughs> different flip of the wrist. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy it too. I've, I've, I've done it. I with old. My dad has these old, old reels. Yeah. Old deals. You know. We also uh, just uh, made everybody in the campgrounds mad by uh, blasting uh, Country and Whitney Houston. Uh, just going back and forth between Chattahoochee and I Will Always Love You at the loudest volumes. Wow. Well, wh- you know, Whitney I can't get mad at, but you might, you might have to tone that country down a little bit. But maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Um, how about, how you, about, get, well, yeah. you probably get along well. Most camping experiences I have are followed by a, an aroma of country. Yeah. We're the only ones. We're the only ones kicking it out. We did roll up on some uh, family reunion that was playing uh, uh, DMX all day. That's awesome. That was great. Hell wow. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That guy. DMX is a very family oriented artist. I mean, he talks about family and close friends. Yeah. very often in his yeah, songs. Absolutely, of course. Yeah. I well, felt his dogs. He might refer them to. Yeah, it's you know, I I've I've called my uncles and cousins dog on occasion. Yes. Uh, I, w- I had a shirt uh, that said D-A-W-G on it, yeah. referencing friends. Yeah, of course. Uh, of, course. Yeah. of course. Will, uh, this is what I want to know. Did you get fishing at all this weekend? What did you do? I know you're... Uh, I worked. I told you I've been working like crazy. I haven't even set up this new computer that we uh, we got for heavy hole podcasting purposes. That's a little dropping spoiler you know, for the, for the people. Um but we will get to that. I'm actually, I, I said it before, I'm a little thirsty. I'm going to take a drink of this. You, you handed me this beer out of nowhere, this Victory. And we didn't get this for free. This is, a, this is, a, this is just a random charitable plug. Uh, Victory Brewing Company. They don't need our charity. Downingtown, uh, Pennsylvania. Okay, well, shout out to them. Uh, but this is the, uh, well, we'll see if it's a shout out to them. I'm about to taste it for the first time. You <laughs> handed me this thing. Golden Monkey. Belgian-style triple L with added, spi- with added spice. I don't see. I know. 
added spice worries me a little. I'm usually good on the basic spice, like when you go right. to the Indian restaurant or you know Taco Bell or whatever. We like, about this. Yeah, your I don't tolerance ad- is not. I don't yeah. advance on spice. I stick mm-hmm. to the basic beginner level. So we'll see. Nine point five alcohol volume. So I'm going to drink this quick and get into get into form. Let's see. Drink the whole thing right now, and then let's start the interview. <laughs> Tom, that's a flavor that mm. you do not look happy. No. I, it's not the worst thing I've ever tasted. It's a little strong for me. Tasted, uh, it's mm, robust. Yeah, robust. I, you know, I will enjoy this beverage. Thank you, sir. But listen, uh, en- enough, enough fooling around out here, guys. Um, I know we have strong opinions about New York pizza and New York slices out here. I can't help it. Stronger opinions about country music. Um. A lot of crazy stuff goes on when you're camping out there in the woods. Sometimes you don't want to uh, leave your uh, human excrement or your human food or your campfire too close to where you're sleeping at night. Might get crept on. I don't know. Tonight, we're going to talk to somebody that may be able to fill us in on all topics and more because we're going to Kansas City, Missouri to talk to Jeffrey Sisson of Troglodyte, also accomplished video director for various underground death metal bands you may have or have not heard of. We'll get to the bottom of it. On the phone? Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, there's. I got a number for a payphone that's up. It's like, uh, it's 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 like uh, the Beverly Hillbillies where they where they had the no. What was that goal? It was Green Acres. Green Acres. Yeah, where they had the telephone yeah. at the top. Yeah, where I got what's in the middle mm-hmm. of the woods where there's nothing but Bigfoot around, and they're gonna answer the holler at him. So sick. Hell yeah. Jungle Cruise. <laughs> All right, this is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, joined by my loyal co-hosts, Tom and Justin. Hey, Will. (laughs) Hey, Justin. And tonight, our special guest is none other than Jeff Sisson from Kansas City, Missouri, uh, who people may know or may not know as uh, the singer uh, of the band Troglodyte. Did I get that right, Jeff? Man, dead on. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. Thank you for your time. And also, there's some other stuff that you've been doing behind the scenes. We're going to get into it. Oh, jeez, man. Oh, all right. Keep that. <laughs> like it or not, here we go, bro. I, dude, I keep myself busy, so I should have something to talk about. Gosh, I hope so. <laughs> all right, man. Well, we're going we're gonna to make it happen. And before we get into all the death metal and all the crazy stuff, uh, we, we always ask and lead off, are you from a particularly music? In your case, I'm going to ask a particularly musical or a particularly creative family. Uh, and was there anyone in your uh, younger years, family or family friend or anything like that, who steered you towards hard rock or heavy metal? Uh, yeah, you know, um, I was prepared for this question because I've listened to a few of your shows. So. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, you know, uh, my dad, uh, he couldn't read music, but he would, he would fiddle around on a guitar. Uh, I can remember being a kid and uh, him and my uncle were always like pulling up on the porch and just getting crazy playing acoustic guitars and stuff. So, um, you know, my aunt was like really instrumental in like 
you know, she, I took an interest in music, but you know, like I would uh, spend uh, the night over at her house and she had this like vast collection of albums. And I would always like troll through those and like, uh, you know, but as far as like, uh, I guess I really, we really didn't have like a ton of like, uh, you know, besides my dad and my uncle that I can think of, uh, you know, but uh, I always had an interest in music. So, you know, I guess maybe I did. I don't know. Is that good? Uh, all right. Uh, so, and what, well, what kind of, now, I want to get into what I'm getting at a little bit more is maybe like a regional question um, uh, with with your your father and uncle playing music in mind. Was it regional music native to uh, where you grew up and where exactly did you grow up? Was it in, in Kansas City or was it an outsider? Yeah, I lived uh, I grew up probably about an hour, 45 minutes, an hour north of Kansas City. And a, I went to school, kind of grew up in a town called Lawson, Missouri. I graduated with, I think there were 69 kids in our class. Sick. Nice. I, I mean, real easy to make that top 10%. I was pretty stoked <laughs> about that. <laughs> you know? Room, to, room so, to breathe. Uh, room to breathe. Not a, not a lot of metalheads, though, right? I would imagine. You know, uh, I mean, I'm kind of an old fart, you know, and I graduated in 87 and, you know, that's kind of the era of the hair metal, you know, so at at least, uh, I, you know, I listen to that stuff, but like I had a, you know, actually, you know, it's funny, you were talking about like an influence. So I had a, so, uh, you guys have seen the movie, uh, Dazed and Confused, right? Yes. Okay. So my cousin, Al was like the redheaded version of Wooderson. He was about 10 years older than everybody else. And, uh, you know, the, just that total like laid back attitude. The dude was like totally dialed in. Well, let me tell you, so this says a lot about the guy. So he drove around in this lead sled Camaro that had B-L-K-S-A-B plates. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome that's sick so um, he knew i liked heavier music and he yeah. you know i was like man have you ever heard of this metallica stuff this master of oh, is cool man he's like yeah that's pretty cool but man have you ever heard any sabbath you know and he would just go deep you know just go in you know turn me i mean i had you know i was pretty like at that point you know oh yeah iron man you know yeah everybody knows that you know but getting deep dive, you know, going in and uh, just all kinds of, you know, turn me on to Alice Cooper, the shock rock stuff, you know, he knew I, he knew I would get into that. And uh, so, you know, it was really strange, you know, growing up and, you know, I mean, basically in the sticks, you know, you know, you had your whatever music was popular. And I, I, you know, I just, I never really gravitated toward that. I was like really into horror movies and, kind of the weirdo horror kid in school so um you know i wasn't like a complete loner so people i was funny and people seemed to like gravitate to that so i wasn't like that complete weirdo i guess but um you know i definitely was like the oh man like i remember somebody uh they (laughs) this is funny they went to walmart and when walmart used to sell like metal right 
And this guy was like, dude, you can have this. T- this tape is garbage. You'll probably love it, man. And he handed me uh, South of Heaven. <laughs> nice. All right. You know, uh, so, you know, it was like that was kind of the M.O. You know, it's like, yeah. like oh, OK, yeah, cool. man. so, uh, you know, as far and I think you said, like, as far as what my dad and uncle played, you know what they were always picking at was like uh, like Dwayne Eddy, like Rebel Rouser, uh, kind of like that kind of music, you know, nothing uh, wasn't like complete on the porch, no shoes, hillbilly business. <laughs> but, you know, my dad is like really kind of that like uh, surf, um, you know, that it, I'm trying to think what you would even call it, man. Just like, yeah, I mean, there wasn't even really, a, it, you know, they just, and because they played by ear, so they would listen to something and then they'd just start playing. All right, man. More of a, um, just for fun type of thing, man, family thing. So, yeah, and you know, it aggravated the living hell out of me because I wanted to learn to play the guitar so badly. And my dad's like, well, I just play by ear, you know? So, he even like the chords he was playing, he didn't necessarily even know the chords. He knew how to play them. And he was a pretty decent guitar player, you know? And it was like, you know, I was like, whoa, what is that? You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's called Pipeline, you know? You know, and I'm like, whoa, that's cool. I was like, what is that? How do you play? He's like, I don't know how to tell you. I don't, I don't read music, man. <laughs> <I've> <laughs> and he would show me the fingering yeah. and stuff, but it's hard, you know, when you don't. It, I, I get the disconnect now. I, I've been in bands with people like that who can kind of just do it and learn it by ear, but they don't know about teaching it or reading music or anything. That you know, it's a different skill set that people develop. Man, um, there's a, there's a lot there in what you said that I want to get at. Uh, the first thing being, you did mention that you graduated in '87. You're from that generation, and I want to talk. Yes. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get here yet, but I'm going to rush ahead to talking a little bit about Troglodyte and about your work directing music videos for underground death metal bands. And I, yeah. what I'm getting at really is with Troglodyte. It's something I've heard you guys address early on in older interview. I got a reference. You did an interview with KC Anthem TV on YouTube like over a decade ago when you first started. Yeah. Um, and you addressed it back then. People have compared Troglodyte in some way to Slipknot on a superficial level. Is that, that's you've dealt with that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you if you so so here, here's the rub on that. So if you if you happen to get your hands on a Troglodyte CD, like the the first three studio albums that we did there's no pictures of us okay we did like this straight up digi pack you open it up there's a cd there's maybe some song titles and there's no pictures of us and it was you know and it was we kind of did that on purpose like early on like i mean it was the stupidest i gotta say like huh. i have made a really i say i my myself and my bandmate we made a really good run of the most ridiculous like concept <laughs> i think you know it was like because it was like so you know the whole idea was like man i want to i'd seen okay man look, this is like i just got you got to tell it to hear this so this is the inception and if you I, i've said it a few times i believe but so i used to um for a while i was i was living in kansas city 
I, I worked, I, I did uh, ad agency work and around 9-11 and my particular business was travel and hospitality and we got hit pretty hard with that, got laid off. At the time I was already kind of getting my feet wet traveling out to LA when some um, like low budget movie stuff would come up. I had a bunch of friends who were into that. They're like, man, I've always wanted to do that. I made masks, I was into special effects. Well, come on out, we're shooting this movie. And that's kind of what I did. Mm-hmm. So I had I was out in L.A. and it happened to be there was one time I was out in L.A. and and I ended up kind of transplanting out there for a minute. And uh, I remember going to see a show. There was uh, some guys origin who I knew were from like my area, like Topeka. They, you know, and uh, I didn't know them then, but I saw they were playing and they were playing with a band called the Berserk. Yeah. And if you've never seen these guys again you know it's like four guys wearing masks you know and it's like what is this slipknot you know it's like and then they come out and play and it's the most insane thing like i'm just like holy shit dude pardon my french and i'm just like i can't believe what i just saw man. and it was a huge influence because up until that point i'd never been in a band you know, I had musical background from when I was in school, but um, I remember telling my buddy, uh, man, you know, I think at some point I'm going to start, I want to do a band and I want to, you know, I want to do like, it was just the stupidest thing. I think we were watching this, this crummy old uh, Bigfoot movie uh, called Night of the Demon. And it's not to be confused with Night of the Demons. This is a Bigfoot movie called Night of the Demon. Okay. And uh, I remember my buddy showed it to me. I'd never seen it. And I showed him the movie The Pit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot of convoluted business going on right now. So, uh, so well, no, this is all good. Watch, you're circling, you're circling right back movie. to my line of questioning. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but keep going. This is great. No, so... Uh, so, you know, I see this Bigfoot movie, and it's ridiculous, man. It's great. I mean, it's like easily, I mean, it's so good. I got to look so this bad, up. It's so bad, it's good. And then I show my buddy uh, Pitt, and he had never seen it. And if you're not familiar, it's this kid who is a complete weirdo who basically finds a hole in the ground that these three caveman-like troglodytes yes. live in. And he takes people that he doesn't like and pushes them in the pit. It's great. I love that. And I remember thinking, like, gosh, man, I was like, it, it was just like a weird, like, man, if I ever do a band, I'm going to make it a, man, I want to do a Bigfoot death metal band. And I, and somebody had told me a long time ago, you got to have a three-syllable name. And I'm like, oh, really? You know, and it was like, uh-huh, like Aerosmith, Mastodon. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, I, you know, all right. Uh, and Trog, I mean, Troglodyte, I mean, that's a great name. Perfect. I don't know, it doesn't necessarily have a, a correlation with Bigfoot, you know, so, but I'm like, okay, I mean, it's like a knuckle dragger. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm in. And it was like, I remember like thinking, it's like, you know, the only way I would do this, I, I you know, I'm, you know, the whole Alice Cooper thing, the, the, the stage thing I want is like, you know, I'd make them, I'd wake masks 
and not necessarily for more to hide our face and we'd wear a mask we'd wear the, we'd all wear the same mask we'd wear the same black shirt we'd wear the same black pants and it wouldn't have anything on it you know and i was like i wanted to focus on the music that was the that was the original inception of that mm-hmm. you know it wasn't like we all had our own character like yes. a slipknot yes know? yes it was it, to me it was a more like the berserker when i saw them they had these nutso masks but it took away the identity of the individual you weren't so worried about oh what's that what shirt he's what's he got on who's that band i need to check you know or it's like oh i got that shirt you know or that's the you I, it's a metal thing, you know, you see that shirt, you know, I, I just didn't want that distraction. So, and of course you show up on this and, you know, we started, I mean, we started doing this like 2005, 2006, writing the music, but we didn't have the costume, the mask. We didn't have any of that. You know, we wanted to get the, you know, the idea was that the music sucked. What's the point of putting on a mask? You know, then it's just like, you're really bad. You know, it's a really bad mask. <laughs> well, that that's kind of what's what uh what separates you maybe from some of the the other bands I might disparage uh, in, in other situations. But what I'm getting at with all of this, I'm glad I'm glad you, you, you talked about all that though, because the point I was trying to make was that you were from a different generation, first of all, than people who might be very influenced by bands like Slipknot, Mushroom Head, etc. Um also, your your background with horror movies um, and practical effects, let's just say, uh, goes back, you know, you're from that era coming of age in the 80s. That was an incredible era for practical effects in movies. Uh, it predates, like, digital uh, and digitization of, of horror movies and sci-fi, sci-fi movies and, um, yeah. you know, CGI and all that. So that's what I'm really getting at is would you say that that more practical effects style of horror movies and even music videos at the time um, is a bigger influence on Troglodyte than any, you know, any of the allegations, we'll say, about Slipknot or whatever? Yeah, you know, uh, the idea... Like the idea of troglodyte is definitely, you know, rooted in that seventies, eighties horror. You know, yeah, uh, it's definitely the, the idea, the concept. You know, um, and I'll be, you know, I, I had worked, I was working. That's another thing. You know, all these things kind of. It's funny how things intersect through life, right? I'm working. It's early two thousands, and I'm in Ohio, and I'm working on a horror movie. Right, and one of the guys uh, who was uh, doing the effects, he was living in Ohio, and super dude, super super nice guy named uh, David Grayhouse. And uh, I remember talking to him, and he's like, uh, he was telling me about this band that he did these masks and costumes, and it was a crazy thing. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. I like that shit. And what it's like, yeah, they're called Mushroom. Yeah, and I'm like. Okay, and I remember checking them out, and uh, you know they're good at what they do. That kind of music is not necessarily my jam, but I can appreciate what they were doing. And I go and I like it. I was like, man, it good. Like I see, I'd seen that several times, and I I wanted to do something where the music fit the image. Well, speaking of, you know, and if the image was gruesome, like, and, you know, you, 
everything kind of comes to life. Does that make sense? It was it was a lot harder than you would think. You know, it was like because you see these bands, and I wanted you know, it's like I wanted to have these like, uh, you know, obviously the the idea. You know, I was a big Kiss fan, a big Alice Cooper fan, so I definitely drew from that. You know, uh, but. I just kept seeing these bands that were like, you know, aside from the Berserker, who just blew my mind. But I saw these guys with these, you know, these bands with these amazing, like, costumes or makeups and masks. But they just, you know, then you heard them sing, and it's just like, ugh. Well, uh, you, you mentioned Alice Cooper and, you know, even Kiss or something like that. And something that I've read in, you know, interviews and I've thought myself in the past as a, as a, a younger man was when I originally saw Alice Cooper or Kiss when I was um, uh, when I was younger, I, I thought it would sound like the way black metal and death metal eventually sounded to me. And that's why black metal kind of makes more sense with the imagery. And with your band, right. the style of death metal you guys have chosen to play, this is something I want to get at for the listeners who may not be familiar with Troglodyte, is that <laughs> musically speaking, you do back up the image, and, and whatever people want to say about the image, uh, you back it up with very inspired death metal. To me personally, it sounds like you guys are somewhere between the classic Florida scene and I would even infer maybe like a suffocation influence because there's definitely something oh, East Coast and, and New York going on. But also, like, also being a fan of Origin and mm-hmm. Unmerciful, um, there is like a regional thing there, but it doesn't sound exactly like that. Maybe some of the um, the riffing kind of melodically what's going on reminds me of that, but it does sound like its own project. So that it gives me like this regional feel on it. Ah, it, there's definitely, um, well, you know, it's like our, my, like the two OGs in the band right now are myself and the drummer, Mr. Chris Wilson. We're the OGs. We've had a couple of, uh, we've had some guitar players come and go and we've had a bass player come and go. And, uh, but, and Chris is, uh, you know, he's buds with John Longstreth from Origin and he's a, I mean, he worships that guy. I mean, he really looks up to him. Him and like somebody like James King from uh, Unmerciful, who again, another great dude. Who, you know, we could, we were very lucky. We could go watch him play. You know, anytime they were in town, you know, doing something. You know, so um, yeah, yeah. Be, and it, it seems it's, to be it's, a very well, I mean, it's funny scene. because Mike Flores from Origin is in our. Yeah, I I wanted to bring that up. Um, yeah, Mike Flores, bass player of Origin, uh, longtime bass player of Origin, is in your band. And, you know, I also read um, that, I guess it's Mitchell and also Michael Lagner, who are both in the band Torn the Fuck Apart, uh, round out your lineup now, too, right? Yes, the very subtle Torn the Fuck Apart, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we had, yeah, uh, it, it's funny because, yeah, so we've known, uh, you know, we've known, uh Michael and Brandon, uh, you know, for a long time, and we would play a lot of shows together. And it just, we we had a Flores was, um, you know, he was kind of our base guy, and he would play live shows with us. But you know, when Origin fires up, he's gone. He's gone, and we didn't like. I like playing with the dude, so I didn't really want to play shows if we didn't have a bass player or we couldn't play with him, and. We, uh, 
something had happened where we had an opportunity to tour with with Torn the Fuck Apart, and it was like, you know, it just worked out. We like, I think Michael had been like playing guitar for us, and he showed Brandon the, you know, hey, would you want to play bass? So it makes sense, like from a touring perspective, you know, it's you've got. Mold, you're, you're doing double duty but it's you know it's the same amount of people in the van you know it kind of that way you don't have two full people two full bands in the van you got like you know you're sharing people so that always worked out good uh and you know when things slowed down for uh for mikey you know flores and he was back around we're like well fuck dude let's let's have two bass players so we have two bass players so sick <laughs> how do you now i got a question for that because uh, I was in a band once that had two two bass players, and one bass player kind of just followed the guitar riff, while another bass player was kind of almost playing it like a lead and doing like harmonic things and going nuts with it. So, how do you guys work that out? It took a minute. I feel like I think we had an idea that like we would have like Brandon Mitchell doing a more traditional bass line, right? And. Uh, Mikey wanted to do something closer to a guitar, a little more distortion, um, a little more driving, you know, again, closer to like the guitar line. And I feel like we, you know, it took a minute, we got it dialed in and it seemed like it worked. You know, that was the thing. Well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know, but you know, it's a punch, man. I feel like it, we, we just finished uh, recording some new stuff, and we were really sweating. Uh, is this going to come through? You know, because that's like sonically kind of an odd thing, and uh, I think it does. I think it really does. We've listened to the stuff, and we, we got we're getting the masters back, and uh, it does, man. It works, you know. So that was like a big weight off of my shoulders because it is. It's something you don't see all the time. Yeah, definitely. And we didn't want it to be a novelty. That's something a producer works with every day too, man. So that that's good. And yeah, uh, you know, now you talked about. I want to circle back to you talked about working on horror movies, particularly yeah. in the early two thousands. Can you are you at uh, at liberty to tell us any of the movies you've worked on? I'm at liberty. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know when you turn, you ever you ever. Uh, uh, flipped on the sci-fi channel and you're like watching them you're about 10 minutes into a movie and it's like jesus this is horrible yeah, yeah I've been I, worked there. On, I worked on that one. Oh, okay fair enough yeah, no yeah i mean I can tell, yeah no it's uh so i was at the time i was working for i was doing work for uh like full moon entertainment like mm-hmm. charlie band and he was producing stuff this was like blockbuster i mean they needed product they couldn't get it fast enough you know because there's only so many whatever the flavor of the giant blockbuster of the week is that's coming out you know so um they he had an agreement where we were producing like uh direct-to-video films that blockbuster would pick up and distribute and it was like for a while there, it was like, I feel like it was like, you know, it was about like a movie a month or every couple months that was getting cranked out. Did so it was a lot of stuff like, uh, you know, I think one of the first ones I was on was like Killjoy 2, Dead and Roddy, uh, 
the Kill Asylums in there. You know, these were some real classics. Well, <laughs> you I know, it's like, but you know, it's it's crazy because you know we would start shooting one, we would, and they were fast. You know, like seven, ten, ten days. You know, maybe if we were really lucky, we got twelve, and we would just hammer them out. You'd have a little downtime, and then you'd start the next one. And then you know, in six months, this it was in the it was on the shelves in the stores. Did you work on any of the Puppet Master movies? I did not. It at the time, I think the deal was because Charlie had, from what I can remember, because Paramount actually owned those. They still, I think, they still had. Uh, they owned it or they had like so many years left on the license till Charlie could get those back. So he could, I don't think he could even make sequels then. Huh. I think, uh, you know, he couldn't put them out. He could, you know, cause this is like when stuff is just starting to come out on DVD. And, um, I feel like he did put them out and it was kind of like, uh, you know, they were supposedly Spanish versions that you could just flip <laughs> off the allegedly Spanish subtitles and get around the legal loophole, but Love it really it. wasn't legal, you know. So I didn't get to work on any of that stuff, man. Which was a total bummer, man. You know, all the stuff I worked on, you know, you know, it, it was you know, it was a video fire. You know, it was just <laughs> junk. You know, it was just like, yeah, but all right, what's next? What, well, in this this day and age, one man's trash, another man's treasure. In this day and oh, age, yeah, yeah, absolutely, you know. absolutely. I mean, you know, now you long for that sort of stuff. Now, you know, you can't even walk into a video store. Anymore. Yeah, it's a it's a big part of like horror culture. Yeah, when I was a kid, I owned a video store. Me and a buddy of mine bought a video store. I ran a video store for years before you know Blockbuster was a thing. You know, how old were you? I don't even I don't even know if I was twenty one, dude. Wow, T- tell us a well. Now you inferred that <laughs> you really got you got more than you bargained for. Get me on. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm nuts. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this. I've been on a horror kick recently, and I want to. Uh, and I love hearing you talk about this. This is a fantastic. Uh, it, it was a crazy. You know, people can't relate to it. And, you know, I sound like the old get off my lawn dude. But huh. you know, it was like back in the day. You know, it was like it was just a thing. You know, we, I lived in uh, the town that I was in uh, that had the video store was Excelsior Springs and you know there was maybe another one or two other video stores in town but we had a decent spot and um, you know it was just a you, you know you tapes were stupid expensive and you tried to get as many as you could but you know I, I kind of took the angle of like um, I tried to like really pack the weirdo movies at the time, you know, now I look back and it was like, man, that was that was kind of cool, man. But, you know, in a little town like that, you know, we had like a, a marquee, one of those like it's a I think it called a chaser where it's got the little plastic letters you slide on. So you yes, can put a yeah. message up there. So I would put some stupid like, uh, you know, best selection of Klaus Kinski films in town. <laughs> you know, awesome. and, and, you know, and then you got this guy. Uh, he, uh, he got a lethal weapon. Uh, five. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, uh, you got that. I mean, that's all they were. You know, that's all. You know, what's uh, who's uh, is that Klaus Kinski movie in? That must be pretty good. You know, they didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know. You ever, so, you ever, uh, you ever sell anyone uh, Sledgehammer? 
I had, you know what? We had a copy of that, and it, the copy we had was used when we got it. It was so bad, like it was hard. To, I mean, the movie itself is hard to watch. Then in a really bad dub that looks like somebody waved a magnet in front of it, and I could never tell. It was like, is this supposed to be like this, or is it just like that? Was like a you know like Sledgehammer and Truth or Dare. Yeah. Um, there were two or three movies like that that we had that were just like, dude, these things are nuts, man. Uh, five, five, five had the hot pink box. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the cover of it. No, I mean, it's just really gruesome decapitation on the cover. Dude, there was stupid stuff. Vampire hookers, which is not a shot on video thing. I don't think, but, uh, dude, there were just like the stock movies that were always checked out. And that was like one of them. Well, I want to talk about, because you're talking about probably the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, and, and you're getting these videos hunting them down. I think it might have been when we were talking to Patrick Bruss about um, uh, like the, the, the video stores in the 80s, you know, getting these obscure movies and selling them and selling weird dubs of them. Like, did you, were there like, you know, maybe like, I don't know, Fangoria magazine or something to that effect? You write to the, the classified ads at the back and get like a photocopied catalog to get the videos. Was there some kind of clandestine way to get these movies? Well, you know, we had to just, you know, it, it, back then there were like, depending where you were, and we were lucky that we had a regional distributor of product. That I mean, you could go and pick it up if you wanted to, or they'd ship it to you. And, uh, you know, they uh, you had like a rep. And uh, so you had that. And then you had, um, there were a couple of guys. Uh, I mean, I think about it now. It's funny. These guys would like, they were kind of like video nomads. They would they would come to your store, and they had a van, and you'd open the door, and this van just had video shelves, and it had boxes on the floor of videos, and they were you they traded stuff, or you could buy. So you know uh, a lot of the like really weirdo stuff I would find from those dudes, or I would say, hey man, you got a cop? Hey, if you ever come across a copy of uh, you know, whatever I was, uh, you know, I was like, man, I'd really like to get a copy of uh, Assault on Precinct 13, the John Carpenter. Mm, I, yeah. You know, I, it was kind of a hard one to get a hold of for me, you know, and I got a hold of it, you know, uh, you know, that stuff like that, weird stuff like that, or, you know, and there were some weirdo outlets. I never ordered any, I always like the shit was so expensive. Like you had to try to do it in, on some sort of like uh, wholesale level so you could, you know, afford to stay in business. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, scratching. I know there were a couple of things I, you know, I feel like, um, film threat. Uh, I remember film threat used to have a label and I would order stuff from them. And then they finally started carrying my distributor carried some of the titles, but like we had like the necromantic movies that was like before they, I I guess technically they weren't supposed to put them out. Uh, you know, crazy, crazy stuff. Man, I haven't thought about this shit all week, man. This is uh, all week. <laughs> all, all week. All week, you say. <laughs> all week. No, it's crazy. I mean, it, it was a real, like, you know, and again, it's, you know, now you can just, you know, you, if you can't find it streaming, you can still, you know, find it. Somebody's got it out. Something. Yeah. It's rough. Uploaded. I, I, I've been looking for titles online. It's hard to f- find streaming stuff, even. Uh, like if, uh, even paid streaming stuff. Like, uh, yeah. I'm looking yeah, for the- a lot of that. 
Yeah, no, and I think a lot of that stuff, some of it, like, uh, there's, you know, they, you know, either there's the source material doesn't exist even, you know, other than just nothing short of like digitizing a, a VHS tape, you know, uh, and then they don't know who owns the rights or, the, you know, or whoever does is dead and they don't, you know, there's a whole like, man, I just read, uh, was it, it's, I think it was a, the last, bleeding skull and it was really focused on 90 90s straight to video stuff and you know it's funny because i was looking through it and there's like these crummy movies i've worked on huh. in there and, and you know and i'm like and i i considered myself kind of you know pretty well versed on a lot of this stuff but man i'm like blown away at the volume of crap that i've never even heard of in this book, you know, it, um, it exploded at a certain point with the technology, man. I, I don't, um, and when you talk about, you know, movies that, uh, like who, who, who even owns the rights to and stuff, I don't know if you're familiar, um, something weird video is a company. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, we had some of the, yeah, you, I had to have that on the shelves. Yeah, I mean, from yeah. everything from, like, old B-horror movies from random uh, random foreign countries all over the world and even, like, kind of found footage, car accident, um, like, driver's education videos and <laughs> yeah, dental okay, hygiene yeah, dude, videos. Yeah, on the highway. Dude, we used to have all that stuff. I yeah, mean, they put out, yeah. that was, if you wanted basket case, they put it out. I mean, those were the guys you went to. Wow. That was the, Uncle Frank. you know, at, yeah. some, at one point... And like you know, blood. Fe- I feel like the H. G. Lewis stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you're uh, talking my whole child. Well, I got to admit, right now, the reason I'm inferring that is because my uncle, I, uh, un- not blood relative, but a longtime friend of the family, uh, is Frank Henenlotter, the director. I heard of- this. You guys were talking about this. I remember you talking about this. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember hearing this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've brought. I, 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 come on, man. Yeah. I mean, he, he's the shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's a, probably the. Not, I mean Frankenhooker, brain damage. I mean, dude, come on, man. Those that stuff's amazing, man. Well, I I try not to bring it up on the show, and throughout my like death metal career, I, I've never wanted to be the guy that's like bragging all the time that that he's my uncle or whatever. But I, you know, obviously I look up to him in an amazing in a major way. I, ever since I was in single digits, he's been sending. You know, he used to send me horror movies he used to send me boxes in the mail because he lived in manhattan and i lived i'm out here on long island he would send me boxes in the mail of horror movies and so you talk about hg lewis you talk about the old hammer horror movies and his own movies and something weird movies and completely warped my brain from a young age and I, i i put all of that influence and inspiration really into underground metal um, so yeah. he's, he's like, you know, he's like almost like a God. He's like, or like one of those relatives that you like, a you know, a, uh, I don't know about a father figure, but a true inspiration creatively and all that sort of thing. And I feel like right now we're in the, we're in a conversation, you, you know, we have common ground with that kind of, you know? Oh, I, I remember like, a, uh, it's funny and because he, he, uh, it was like a friend of the family, man. I, I, I knew him all my life and, you know, I, I was, uh, friends with his kids and uh you know that and we were in school i'm trying to I probably i don't know i maybe in middle school uh freshman high school but this is when everybody had two vcrs and they'd go rent yes. shit and this is well before i had a you know working in working in the video store owning a video store and uh you know you had two vcrs and they usually had to drive fucking 50 miles to rent a tape you know you'd 
get a handful of them, you come back home, and then you dupe them all off so you could take them back, get another hand. So after a while, you had this like massive video collection where you're recording three movies on a tape, you know, that kind of stuff. And I remember uh, Bill's this guy's name. He just passed recently. And it's like, I always, I think about this all the time, man, because it was like, I remember him telling me, he's like, hey, man, you got to check this one out. I was like, what is this? It's like, you know, it was like on a, it was on a movie, it was on a tape. They had Scarface, Body Double, and then the last movie was like Basket Case. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm like, Basket Case? That's like, I'd heard of this, but I hadn't seen it. So I was just like, and, you know, watching it that way, recorded at the extended play mode. I mean, it's like almost like you're watching it through a wet paper towel. And <laughs> it was just like, you know, those images are just burnt into your brain. Like, what deviant made this? And why don't I know it? This is amazing. Like, you know, you're just, your mind's blown. You're like this 16-year-old, 15-year-old kid. Like, that's just like, holy crap, you know? Wow. Uh, but it is, it's a, it's a total game changer when you see stuff like that. And, you know, uh, you know, this is the era of like, you know, that's, it's just a, you know, you try to relate that to someone else and it's almost impossible. It's, you know, like if you were that there first time the era, you see you know. faces of death or something like that, and you know, huh. now, you know, all, you know, 99.9% .9 of that was crap that they made up. But it's like, I mean, that's like this mind blowing experience, man, for people. Yeah. You know, they remember where they were when they rent, you know, oh my God, I was spending the night with my buddy and his mom let us rent faces, you know. People remember that shit, man. I, I remember I had a friend who used to, uh, like I said, go through the, the back, you know, channels for VHS tapes and stuff, and he got traces of death and faces of death in the mm. 90s and brought them over to my house and we would listen to death metal and watch things. You know, it's it's... It's just a little bit different than finding it on the internet, I guess. And in and that era, it was different, man. And and um, well, now you just turn on the TV and you see it on the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like your analogy to the wet paper towel thing. I actually watched Basket Case last week, and I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna make a craft a pair of glasses. If you want, yeah, I'm gonna sell. It's called the VHS experience. That's you get a wet paper towel and you just smash it on your face, then you fire it up. I'm in, you know? man. Well, I you mean, know, it's, you talk about the traces of death. Now, those that's kind of a metal game changer because they threw the death metal in there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, man. That I, was like, what was the guy? It was, and I, I want to say it's the guy who, uh, dude, he went by like Darren Ramage, but it's the guy who like owns the, he ran that company, Dead Alive, I think it was. But, dude, I don't know. Do you remember any of that stuff? I mean, it was like, ever wonder what a man's brain looks yeah, like? Yeah, it was like the... from, you know, it was just like, and you know, and then underneath of it was like, you know, mortician, some screaming death metal. Yeah, there was. A, I I have an old an old uh, the, the the traces of death. One of them, the compilation CDs. I think Relapse put it out many years ago. Um, but it's wow, man. There's a lot there. You're talking about all all this all this stuff, man. There's a lot there. So these '80s movies. A thought that occurred to me. You talk about the the wet paper towel, looking at the and when you say extended play, for people don't realize when you're when you had these old school uh, VHS tapes back in the days, you had the option 
to tape like maybe two hours, four hours, or six hours worth of material on the tape, depending <laughs> on how much quality you want to lose. Quality. And, yeah, quality. Nobody cared. It wasn't about quality. It was about how many movies can I jam on this VHS cassette tonight? Well, there's the thing about that, though, because I do have a few old from the 80s and 90s VHS tapes that have like, uh, you know, Gremlins 2, uh, uh, Last of the Mohicans, and yeah. fried green tomatoes all you know all on one tape or something like that. You it's know? like the best it's like the best like triple features ever yeah, yeah dude it makes for the most random tapes too because it was it's usually like what you ordered on pay-per-view over the course of two months you know it's just like random yeah. shit do you guys remember when they tried to do hd vhs's no it was like yeah like panasonic and uh they had uh, SVHS. Yeah, I, I remember that. My dad worked in uh, home, home audio stuff, and he always had like the tool, you know, the, the coolest thing coming in. And it was like they tried that for three weeks. <laughs> well, a lot of that, time as you know, some, of, that, came some of those like direct-to-video things that I remember working on, um, they shot them on SVHS because they thought it was, you know, it was a little a marginal step up from just shooting on VHS. Yeah, yeah. I think I think distribution though it's not a way to go. You can shoot on that and get that difference, but just like nobody, DVDs nobody came out. DVDs came out within no. two quarters of that hitting the market. So, what's the point? Yeah, it was. That's what it was. Uh, they called it the. Uh, it was a prosumer. They kind of referred to. Nobody had an SVHS machine. Huh. Except for guys who were shooting, like trying to do some, like again, like like I said, I were, I lived here. There's a guy named Todd Sheets, uh, my buddy Twin Dog. It lives here. They were making these, like, uh, you know, they shooting on SVHS. They shooting these, like, you know, horror movies on SVHS. And you know, you'd find somebody to put them out, but you know, they they dumped them down to VHS, and you know, you you couldn't. There was no noticeable quality. Huh. From so, something that strikes me when we, we, you know, we talk about the wet paper towel look and the extended play dubbing. Um, some of these old horror movies from the '80s that we're reminiscing on right now, Basket Case included. I fuck it, I will talk about it. You know, it's not like I was there; I didn't make the movie. The guy, I just happened to be graced by the guy, you know, turning me on to some horror movies. But that movie included. There's some movies that just. We recently had Nick Herman, drummer of Vomit Forth, on the show. Vomit Forth, yeah, and. And here's the comparison I'm making, because something I talked to him about was he talked about old school hip hop sounding better on cassette tape. And I said, that's a parallel to old school death metal sounding better on cassette tape. And I feel like some of these old 80s horror movies look better on the on this grainy VHS. And there's a, a parallel. No, absolutely. Out. Absolutely, man. I tell you, I don't know if you ever had the I, I say the, the pleasure. You can't really say it. So the first time. I saw Cannibal Holocaust. It was in a, it was a pristine third generation Venezuelan dub. You know? Oh, nice. boy. And, uh, Connoisseur. Again, talk about the wet. I don't know where I come up with this wet paper towel. I can't take credit for it. I'm sure I heard it somewhere, but I'll be damned if it doesn't fit. But uh, I remember watching now, that movie and thinking, I mean, this is like watching a snuff. This has got to be one, like what a snuff movie would look. You know, because and then seeing it like years later. I was in Chicago. Uh, what is it? Uh, is it the? Uh, uh, it was one of the first. I want to say, is it Horror Hound Weekend or it was? It was a big thing they do in Chicago now. But that weekend they showed. It was when um, Grindhouse had made new thirty-five prints, 
and they were running it through the theater. Uh, and so that was the second, like I'd seen it on cassette and to sit and watch it in the theater where it looks so like to me, something was lost because it looks so good. It looks so clean and it still is a grimy movie, but there was something about that creepy. I, I shit you not. It was like a Venezuelan because that was the only way you could get it at the time. And it came and it was like, dude, this is so you're like, I wonder if this is against the law to even own because there's no way this is legal. Like this can't be like the guy who made this movie does knows nothing about this Venezuelan dub that I have. So, but there is man, there's something like you watch that stuff on Blu-ray. Give me a break. man. Ah. Like it's, you know, it's like you want, uh, I mean, you want the real experience. You put in the cassette, you put it on and like, there's this great movie you're talking about. Uh, it's called the Poughkeepsie Tapes. Oh, it's disturbing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm um, not familiar with it. It's like the alien one, right? Alien abduction. Kind no, of no, no. This is the one. It's uh, it, it's like a found footage thing, but it's like the thing is, it floated around for a long time. Like you saw a tape of it, you saw a bootleg of it, because you know this is like back in the day you go to comic you know comic shows and conventions and there was always the one dirt bag over in the corner selling the 500 vhs bootlegs you know um and i'm not knocking that dirt bag i bought probably paid his rent a couple months you know so but uh like i remember getting a copy of it it was disturbing and years later i think uh shout factory finally put it out and i revisited the movie on blu-ray and it you know it still looks rough and everything but man there was something about getting that that vhs of it had no label and just putting it in and it, it plays like you're watching some sicko serial killer with a vhs camcorder just video taping what he's doing i mean it's it's uh you know i don't know i mean i feel like by the time it got kind of got pushed out in the world everybody had seen it but it's a great example of seeing something on a video cassette and it was so profoundly disturbing to me because a lot of it was hard to make out what was going on which made it so creepy so i i am familiar with this poughkeepsie tape but i watched some of it on shutter and yeah. the publication date on shutter was relatively recent um, yeah, no, that, and it didn't seem movie. like I, I i don't know i i didn't know what to make with it i i ended up like not watching the whole thing so uh i, I can't totally wait in but, but like you're you're telling me right now that like this has a history to it so i'm a little more intrigued to go back you know thank god for the the interweb where we can get on there and you know dig around and find out you know what exactly you know if it, it, it it floated around for a while. Like I said, it was like I want to say the early two, early mid two thousands, maybe you know when you know when it was still kind of before the internet really kicked off. You know, really, you know. You got broad, broad, broad. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember seeing it uh, recently. I put it on. And it was like I think the distribution date was like two thousand nineteen. So I. Yeah. No. No. It was very like again. It was something that just floated around. Yeah. And if you know, you it's wanted strange. to find it, you could. With those services too, like they're never, they're never. I've noticed with Spotify and things like that that dates are never accurate when the albums come out. Like it's always something getting lost in the mix, and no one gives a fuck really to begin with. It's 
Like that's something I look at. When does an album come out? So when I'm on a streaming service, I want to know. But like one thing that I think would really go over well on these streaming services, especially like Shutter or anything that does deals with horror, is like listing the shit by date. Because I want to watch from like a specific time period. I want to watch from like. Kind of shocked that they don't like. I, I feel like I've seen that somewhere. It, Maybe it was on. I, I went on my browser. Something. I've looked on it on multiple interfaces, and it's just like it seems Maybe like it's, it's such community. a great idea. It's such a great idea that it, you think it exists. right. It seems like it would just be normalized. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go on this thing, and I want to watch movies between like 1983 and 1997. So like that's I mean, where my sweet spot is. Yeah, um, no, it makes perfect. I mean, I'm like 70s bummer cinema. I mean, if if the main guy didn't get killed at the end, I don't want to. That's uh, my jam right there. I, well, my wife hates my guts, man. I'm like, hey, you want to watch this? Uh, what is this like, movie you're watching? It's got Charles Bronson in it. It's like, uh-uh. The ending's going to be a real bummer. I don't want to watch it. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, well, I got to ask you, too. I was at just kind of on the topic, just uh, coincidentally, I was at the thrift store today. I buy movies from time to time. I picked up on VHS today. A movie, I believe it was from the late 80s, Relentless, where Judd Nelson plays a serial killer. Are you familiar? Great, terrific air performance. Haven't He's got watched one of it yet. The classic bowl cuts of uh, cinema. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. That's a decent little movie. And, you know, Judd Nelson playing a complete lunatic serial killer. That's with what a bowl I figured. Cut. I, well, what no. I thought to myself is Judd Nelson, serial killer, and then I thought to myself, there's got to be a way where I could just look at this as kind of a, a roundabout the way sequel to the to the Breakfast Club, where his character <laughs> in the Breakfast Club really goes down the wrong path. Uh, you know, that's such it's such a strange like, it, you know, I feel like that was like the late '80s, early '90s, like, and it's uh, I mean, that's uh, shit. Uh, Bill Lustig did that. Maniac. The guy directed Maniac. Bill Lustig did that? Yeah. Yeah, no way. Unless I'm having a stroke. I'm pretty sure... I, I wish Maybe. I had it in front of me. Yeah, dude, I just, you know, I, I it's 99 cent VHS at Island Thrift on Route 110 New York Avenue, by the way. Dude, they ripped you. Dude, I, I mean, all that sounds like a party right there. Yeah, man. Hey, man, I'll, I'm going to watch this movie now tomorrow when I'll let dude, you know. Dude, it is a Bill Lustig movie. I would put money on that. Yeah, and it's like, it is. It's kind of like, you know, it's obviously not Maniac, but... Uh. It can't be. It's maybe. still a pretty. It's a pretty seedy movie. All things considered, to come from a major studio, and they got Ju- and they talked Judd Nelson. Yeah, well, no, he's he like was thinking, so- what can I do to officially end my career uh, <laughs> as the uh, what did they you know, like the uh, the brat pack? What can I do to really sever that brat pack tie? Well, here I'll get a salad bowl haircut, play some like sex crazed maniac killer who picks people. I, it was like at, from just randomly from the phone book. I, I don't want to ruin it for you. I'll let, I, I'm stopping. I'm a, stopping. A, a spoiler alert. A, yeah, a different. He picked a different <laughs> route than Emilio with with uh, the Mighty Ducks. Definitely. Yeah, um, no. Yeah, he definitely took a different. He took the left hand path. Yeah, 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 man. Well, um, wow, man, a, a lot going on. So I want to talk about <laughs> Maniac, but that's I, way off topic. No, no, Keep no, going. Tom, you brought me right back. Because, <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. I could be off. Did Tom Savini do the practical effects on Maniac? Yes. 
Okay. Yes. Thanks, Uncle Frank. Yes. That's why I know that. Now, because this is yes. something that popped into my head watching your music videos and knowing this conversation was going to go here. What yes. Did Tom Savini play a big influence on you growing up? And just for the oh. listeners, maybe talk about some of his movies. Yeah, you know, Tom Savini's like, uh, you know, I think for the, the uneducated uh, practical effects, uh, yeah, that he's the godfather of the uh, he's the guy who did the, uh, I mean, he teamed up with George Romero for Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. Creep Show. He did the effects for the original Friday the 13th, uh, Friday the 13th Part 4, uh, among others, you know, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, uh, directed a version of Night of the Dead, a remake of Night of the Dead. Um, it, again, uh, kind of like in the heyday of splatter movies, this was a go-to guy, you know. You want someone's head chopped off with your throat slit, you call Thompson. That's yep. kind of, that was his deal. So, uh, and yeah, at, you know, growing up as, as a kid and reading Fangoria and, you know, obsessed with monster movies and, you know, making monsters, trying to figure out how to make masks. And yeah, dude, Tom Savini, a, a friend of my mom's uh, worked in a book bindery. And uh, she knew I was ate up with this stuff anyway. And she, one day she's like, hey, I got you, I got you something. Um, no way. Uh, it, it was a copy of Grand Illusions, Tom Savini's book about how he did all the practical effects. You motherfucker. My Uncle Frank it. gave me that book when I was a kid, dude. That's how I know this yeah, shit. No. Oh, man. Okay, go on, and go it was, on. Uh, it was the, the cool thing, and I've still got it. The cool thing about this version she gave me, so... Uh, the, the place that she worked, they, they pressed them all. Wow. And there were a, a hand, handful of them. They pulled aside and they bound them in like hardback, like a hardback leather. And they had a, uh, a gold foil stamp of the name. I don't have that. All right. No foil. You've been no, no, Well, the only reason that I have it, when they pressed this one, it had a little crease in the paper, the binding in the back. So they called these uh, like executive copies, like. Savini got one, I'm sure, and uh, the publisher probably got one. You know, so a handful of people got these. This one was supposed to get tossed. Well, she gave it to me. Nice. Awesome. That's the only reason I had that book or even knew about it. You know, at the time, it it hadn't really come out yet. And I I met Savini. I met him a few times throughout the years, and I showed it to him. He's like, oh, yeah, that's you don't see these that often, you know? And Mike, wow. yeah, I mean, I know, and I told him how I got it. He's like, yeah, that makes sense, you know? You see him, yeah, like, I've see, I'd have seen him a couple times, but, you know, um, so, yeah, I mean, that's Tom Savini. So he was huge, you know, you know, he, he was huge influence on wanting to do uh, makeup effects and figure out how to do all that stuff. He's the king, man. He's just yeah. the best. He blows yeah, his no, own he head is. off in Maniac. That's the best. I love that. He, blow, he blew off his own head. So sick. He blew off. He blew off his own head. He literally did. Wow. He just made it happen. I love when guys yeah. make their own dreams come true. Have fun. <laughs> Shoot, uh, discharging a shotgun in the city limits of New York and and highly illegal at the same. You know, it's yep. like you couldn't do that shit anymore. You know, it's like, and I have like you know a dozen permits, and you know they just, you know they, they put the dummy in the car. And Tom jumped up on the the hood. And just shot it, and they like scrambled around to get the hell out of there as fast as they could. You know, it was like that's how they made that. Movie. Yeah, God, I love that movie. Rest in peace, Joe Spinell. Mm. Oh, dude, Greasy Joe's the best. Yeah, 
What a look. If you've never had a chance to see Maniac uh, in the, uh, on a big screen, like in a theatrical, and you if you ever get the chance, go. I, I will. I, I would I mean, absolutely. I've seen it, uh, I would say, five times this year. It's kind of my go-to yeah, background movie. There was a, I love it. There was a, there's a minute there where they, uh, you know, when this stuff was coming out on uh, – like on uh, Blu-ray and stuff, a lot of times you'll see like new prints of it get made. And I remember seeing uh, Maniac uh, in a theater, and oh my god, dude! I mean, just, you could, I mean, you just the pull, you could just see the pores and the sweat. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a religious-like experience. Uh, you know, it was, yeah. it was so greasy. It was yeah, so yeah. good. <laughs> I unfortunately really? haven't seen that, but I, I, I have a, like a, a talking about greasy. I have a pretty greasy claim to fame to uh, two movies I have seen in the theater, thanks to the Huntington Cinema Arts Center, allegedly. Uh, not only have I seen Cannibal Holocaust in the theater on the big screen, but also uh, Salo, a.k.a. 120 Days of Sodom. I was, I was one of the few people who didn't walk out on that one. Yikes. It's, uh, it's a movie. <laughs> they made it. They did it. Yeah. Um... But wow, man! Yeah, not you know, to- it's it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing that you can watch that. Like in it, like I saw it years ago, and I, you know, that's one of those things I like. I revisited to see if it still packs the punch. And you know, nine times out of ten, I would say a movie loses something. You know, in that, I gotta say, I was every bit as appalled as I was when I saw it probably thirty years ago. I thought, wow, this is it's something. I think it was about fifteen. <laughs> you know? I think it was about fifteen years ago that I saw it, and I still feel that since I sat through the whole movie on the big screen, I never have to watch it again. Maybe one day I'll change my mind, but I still don't feel like I ever have to watch that again. So I, I did it. You know what I thought uh, you know, the last yeah. time I. The last time I watched, it's funny you saying that. The last time I watched it, I remember watching it, and I thought, "Do they make a, like a Purell for your eyes, <laughs> like to clean your eyes after you see something like that?" Because it was like I felt like I, I felt like I needed to go bathe after watching that. I mean, there's something really unique about that. I think it's called alcohol. Yeah, if you just drink <laughs> enough of that shit comes up yeah. through the eye yeah it's like tums for the eyes oh god all right so man we we're really going nuts here with the horror movie i love it though we we haven't talked yeah. horror movies probably since we had uh pat patrick yeah, Russ yeah, on. Pat, pat, patrick. Oh, oh sorry sorry i lost you guys for a second sorry about check that. check okay check. okay cool we're back here the, the power of uh of salo blew out my speaker and heard yeah. me talking about it <laughs> All right, man. So we, we, we've been on this conversation a long time. But what's crazy is today while I was doing the research, Tom Savini and that Grand Illusion book popped into my head just from my childhood. And uh, we got right down into it, man. So uh, before before we get um, even more sidetracked into the, the, the <laughs> wonderful world. That's of all horror, I got to offer. No, well, it, it really isn't because I have other questions, man. We we talked about troglodyte at this point slightly in the conversation. I feel like we established uh, the explanation behind the imagery. Something I did want to get to in this interview, though, is 
You mentioned um, growing up maybe about, you said uh, about an hour and 45 minutes approximately outside of Kansas City. I would imagine maybe that's more of a rural area. What I'm getting at is, um, is there any real life inspiration regionally or in your personal experience for the fascination with troglodytes and Bigfoot? Is, you know, is there any actual experiences or actual stories you've heard or local legends like that? Well, you know, in, in uh, uh, I, like I said, I grew up in Kansas City was about an hour away. So wasn't a totally removed experience, but, you know, an hour away from a big city, you can be in some pretty, I mean, you're in the sticks, you know, depending on which way you drive, you know. And uh, I never, I grew up in the country, I like, I grew up in the sticks, man. And uh, when I was a kid, I remember seeing Legend of Boggy Creek. And I remember seeing it and it scared the shit out of me. Huh. Like, and it's a, like, it, it's funny. Now you watch it. It's very tame. It's a G rated, uh, you know, it kind of plays like a, a precursor to an unsolved mysteries, you know, like the reenactments and stuff. And it's, uh, but, um, yeah, man, that was, are you still there? Yes. Yes. Oh, sorry. I, I was like, thought i bored everyone to sleep uh no uh but i remember seeing legend of boggy creek and like even the commercials and everything and i and uh again going back to my aunt uh she you know she would always like let me loop through her albums and stuff and she was a teacher and man she'd do anything to get you to read and if you like something man she would bring me these like like bigfoot books she knew I liked that stuff, like cryptids and stuff. So uh, I always liked that stuff. I never saw, I've never seen a footprint. I've never thought I've seen anything that looked like a Bigfoot. I, you know, I've never had that kind of experience. But to me, there's something, the, the whole Bigfoot thing is almost the idea, like that there could be something living amongst yeah. us that we and- don't know. And from from my knowledge, I'm, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. I've been fascinated with that stuff like some people. But, uh, I, you know, I'm not, um, for me and for our listeners who are not from your area, Missouri, uh, the Bigfoot and Sasquatch legend is commonly associated with the Pacific Northwest, to my knowledge. Is there, like, a, um, a history of that at all in the more rural areas of Missouri or your region? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, that's what the uh, Legend of Boggy Creek takes place in Falk, Arkansas, where they call it the Falk Monster. Okay. Missouri call, Missouri calls it Momo. Momo. What's, there you go. How close so, is it? Skunk, skunk Ape is from the area, too, right? That's Florida. That's more of a, a eastern uh, Floridian name. Okay. Creature. But yeah, there's regional, dude, you can go, uh, I mean, you can go all over and some, you know, I've I've, dude, I've heard some good ones like uh, Wood Booger. I heard that one. Uh, I'm trying to think, man. It, it's crazy. It's crazy when uh, I never thought in a million years that I would do something like this one. One, I would actually have a band that we sing about all of our songs are about Bigfoot. And two, 
that I would be getting like the like some of the fan mail email that we get is like people who are sharing their story, if you will, oh. for like you know it's like my uncle saw one of it and he's got a cast in his barn, you know it's that kind of stuff. Like uh, I never would have dreamed that. Wow, have you ever gotten anything internationally from people that had some sort of experience? Uh, I feel like I, I mean, you know, I feel like, you know, usually what it is most, I would say most of what we get is like, it's like, you know, uh, I get an email from somebody in Australia and it's like, you need to do a song about the Yowie. Mm. I'm like, okay. And I look it up and sure enough, that's their, that's the, the Australian Bigfoot, you know, wow. I get a lot of that. So you end up learning a lot more about it through through the fans in a way. There have yeah, there has been some stuff that's come across the plate that's like, what is that? And I I kind of dig into it. It's like, oh, that's cool. That's good fodder. You know, that's yeah. that's an idea. You know, scribble that down on the, open up the phone, open up the notepad. Sometimes it makes it, sometimes it doesn't. But it is. It's interesting. It's a very shared. Like, uh, believe it or not, I mean, most people have some sort of like, uh, they at least know what you're talking about, you know, Well, in some capacity. Let me ask you this, because I, you know, I'm open minded. I've never had any experience. I live, you know, I live in the suburbs outside of New York City. So it's not like my region is really subject so much to those type of stories. Um, but I'm open minded to it. You, you yourself personally, would you be open to believe it, or do you have uh, uh, maybe yourself, like, are you partial to the belief that maybe these are some sort of interdimensional travelers uh, and that they could be real? Dude, I, I am open to, like I said, I've, so I'll scribble down ideas, you know, like, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I've, 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 and again, being a child, you know, growing, growing up as a, a child of the seventies with in search of, uh, huh. you know, yeah. and which yeah. is like precursor to the unsolved mysteries, uh, with Leonard Nimoy. Yes. And it's really, yeah. some of them are really creepy. Um, you know, that's the sort of thing that kind of drove my imagination about this stuff. So you'll hear like, well, you know, why don't you see him? Like, dude, that's, that's the one thing I will say. If you bring it up in, in conversation, especially in the band setting, like I'll be at a show, they'll be without fail. They'll be the one guy who's got his own theory. And it's like, well, you don't see them because uh, they have the ability to open a portal, walk into the portal, disappear for a short time and will reappear when they feel comfortable. Hmm. Uh, you know, so hey. I mean, like, that's an honest story. Some guy just told me that. I'm like, okay. And I never dig too deep into it because I kind of like the idea. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to know. Part of me wants that. Where in the hell did you come up with? Then there's a part of me. I don't care. I think it's kind of cool, you know. Uh, there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, just as well as me, there's a lot of stories out there. Shout out to Leonard Nimoy, man, in search of that was crazy. Um, we're getting really nostalgic on this one. But to keep it on track, yeah, uh, 
there's and you know there's a lot of really strange disappearances at national parks and there's all sorts of weird theories you can go on about this um and we could you know we could go there but getting it back on track to what's i think something you've tried to push to the forefront of troglodyte over the years considering how much weight is behind this you know th- this bigfoot concept and imagery is the music itself and like we talked about before there seems to me personally to be something of a floridian and then a, a more of a north northeastern approach to the to the death metal um that that you guys make you talked a little bit about kind of the local inflection with um uh, I'm sorry, it was Unmerciful, and then also you guys are connected to Origin a little bit. Now you're working with members of Torn the Fuck Apart. Uh, that in mind, can you tell us a little bit about this new recording you guys just completed? What can people expect from it? Is there anything them- thematically you can tell us about it? Uh, and when will people be able to hear it? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit. I mean, we, we literally are just wrapping that up. Okay. Uh, we We got the master's done um we're listening to those to make sure everything's dialed in what we need to uh i will i will i will say this it is about we do sing songs about bigfoot on this one <laughs> all right you um, can only hope so true so, to form true to form uh, real real surprise there uh now you know it, it's more of the same i feel like we stepped up our game um you know that was the idea you know we wanted to kind of push it a little bit um do something that's uh again you know worthy of the of the image i guess and the and the creature that we pay homage to in every stinking song that we you know sing about I, i'll tell you i'll share this i have i this i really haven't talked much about it or shared it with anybody you know so i will say there is one song like my favorite song i feel like on the new one that we've done, uh, there's a particular track called um, "Found Guilty in a Wrongful Death Lawsuit for Shooting a Man Wearing a Bigfoot Costume." Uh. <laughs> All right. So you know, it's like that's the thing. It's like everybody's like, "Well, how many songs can you sing about Bigfoot?" Well, it's not. You know, it's the angle. Yeah, you know? I, I like it. I there's like a, it. There's a song on there about a guy who. Uh, they lock a Bigfoot in the basement and they get him hooked on meth. I mean, you know, it's fucking ridiculous. Well, I, I gotta now. I gotta ask, and I'm sorry because I almost feel like somebody asking me like a Will Smith joke or something. But let's go there. Harry and the Hendersons fans. So, I love. Oh that. yeah, man, it's great. Are you kidding? Great I mean, movie. Great movie. I mean, it's a, it's a classic movie. It's funny. <laughs> it's, I mean, anybody can watch it. Rick Baker. You know, it's an Oscar-winning. Yeah. That's an Oscar-winning film. You know? John, We've got a song hit, hit by the Hendersons. Classic. John Lithgow. The classic Welcome to Boggy Creek. Love John Lithgow. Um, yeah, so, so um, <laughs> we're excited about the new one. We're again. I'm like, I'm, I'm I don't want to jinx it. I mean, I want to. We want to give it a push. We want to put it in front. We've got. We want to put it in front of uh, some people and see if they can help us get, get our message out in a little wider. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, it, if you're doing extreme metal and extreme music, you're not doing it for the money. Let's just cut to the chase, you know. Uh, but it would be nice that if we could, because I've always felt like, you know, when people do find this, uh, they like us. You know, if, you, if you're into this kind of stuff, you're going to like it, you know. And it would be nice to open that, 
open that up a little bit to where some more people could discover it and, uh, you know, get it out to the masses a little more. I feel like we're one of those weird bands that like um, other bands know who we are, you know, and that's cool. That's really cool. You know, when, um, you, you know, somebody to reach out to me and say, did you know uh, Jamie Josta plays your songs on his podcast? I'm like, what? No, you're no, no. Well, sure enough, he does. We got to we got to edit that part out. We can't talk about Jamie Josta's podcast on heavy. No, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll just do but, it anyway. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm just gonna do it. I know it's a you joke. can do what you, no, but I you know uh, it, it was joking. to me it was mind blowing. No, mind blowing. Well, well some, somewhere else you popped up recently on a pretty big platform. If I got it right, you did guest vocals on not one but two of Massacre uh, from Florida, classic death metal band Massacre's uh, 2021 singles. I did. Uh, vocal for Cam for uh, the kind of the uh, the reboot they did of uh, From Beyond. Okay. Yeah, can, yeah. Can I've, you, I've, I've, I've known Cam for a little bit. He's a, he just kind of came around. But yeah, I've done that. Dude, I used to, I, again, I can, you can just, I mean, you talk about a merciful, a merciful needed vocalist. I did, I did vocals for those guys for a while till they found their, uh, a, like, they had a bunch of shows and it was like before lockdown, like festival stuff. And, uh, I mean, I love doing, I love doing that stuff. Their stuff's nuts, man. It's like, it's like going to math class. So uh, any chance to do vocals for somebody else is kind of cool. You know? So, but yeah, Cam had asked me to do that. And, and I was like, and it was for a good cause. I think they were given all the money that they got. If they got anything to, uh, like the St. Jude's or something. And, uh, yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, that was, it was like a no brainer. Did you do this? Yeah. The most uh, death metal stuff you could do. Take care of children, you know, like help, yeah. out, help out a bit. Why the hell not? Uh, no, man. I, most, I, you know, people, pe- you know, again, you know, it's one of those things. People think, you know, everybody knows just because you listen to metal doesn't mean you're de- not a decent guy. And most, oh, most yeah. people who listen to this stuff, they're pretty good people, genuinely. So, yeah, I mean, and, he, and Cam's, Cam's living proof of that. You know, I mean, uh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, we love to talk to Cam sometime. We haven't re- reached out yet. Um, we I've reached out a few times. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, we haven't heard back from Cam. Busy guy. We'll reach out oh, again. Yeah, he's he's really busy, man. He really is. Yeah. Uh, he's got so many projects, man. So many different things he's involved in. Um, and, you know, they got the new album coming. Out. Yeah, they of got course. The new album. Yeah, well, Massacre, but he's he's one of those guys too that does not. Uh, it seems like he doesn't sleep much. He's always recording a new. He's he's popping up on somebody else's project, or he's got some some musicians that he's working with on a different recording project, and of course that new push with Massacre. Yeah, Cam is everywhere, um, and uh, you know we'd love to talk to him. Shout out to him, man. Uh, but but just getting back to you and, and Troglodyte quickly, something you know we 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 talked about Troglodyte and we had a long horror movie discussion that I was setting up because I don't want to leave people uh, without the this um, the, without knowing about the, all the underground uh, death metal music videos you've directed for bands, not just death metal but different extreme metal bands. Uh, and for starters, today I just watched before the interview the videos you did for Exhumed and Ilsa, both of which seem like period pieces. Uh, that's that's pretty accurate. They yeah, are. Yeah. They. What struck me about that compare, you know, I'm not knocking anybody, but we've talked about underground extreme metal music videos on the show from time to time, and production values vary. 
Uh, but it's interesting what you did because both of those videos and other videos of yours, but those two in particular that I really watched recently, um, there's like, it seems like there was casting, there's actors that don't just look like the people in the band. There's older people and kids and younger people. And... Um, uh, costumes, there's settings uh, that all look like true to form for the period. So that's not, you know, when you think about music videos for extreme metal, sometimes you're just trying to look around the backyard to see what you can find. You know what I mean? So do you want to talk a little <laughs> that, bit about the that, production? That's what drives me nuts, man. Like, now, now let's, let me preface this. It's like, uh, I, I, those two videos in particular were like, both of those were like, I mean, you got to be out of your mind because it's not like I got a ton of money to make. Yeah. This. And you're talking, the, the exhumed one especially was, so they did that, uh, that album was a concept album about the grave robbers, Burke and Hare. So they, the band had no interest in being in the video and, and, you know, I'm landlocked, you know, they're out on the West Coast, and I'm landlocked, you know, I'm in Kansas City here. So, um, I think uh, Ross had reached out to me. He knew I was, uh, I had, um, you know, I had this movie work, and I'd always kind of wanted to do music videos. And I had an opportunity to, um, I had done all, I'd done a dying fetus video with Mitch Massey. I went out and uh, did all the effects um, for Die With Integrity. And it's super blood. I mean, it's like, I mean, we use gallons of blood. <laughs> and it kind of sparked me. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to do this. You know, and I did an origin video. And I talked to Ross. And it's like, hey, man, we got this album coming out. Yeah, the origin and, video too, yeah. And he said, uh, we got this new album coming out. And I'm like, okay. He's like, it's about like Burke and Hare. I'm like, are you talking about like the, the, the grave robbers? I'm like, wow, that's like some pretty, that's crazy, man. Nobody, I mean, that's, that's like, next thing you're going to tell me there's a band that does music about Bigfoot or something, you know? So uh, anyway, so yeah, you know, it's like they pitched the idea, you know, it's like, well, what, you know, they give me a track and I'm like, well, and uh, relapse, uh, it gave me a little bit of money to work with. And I mean, every bit of it went to, uh, you know, I got an amazing, uh, I mean, I, I can't, I was going to say a, a costume, you know, this, uh, Tabitha's uh, Tremel, man. She, she lives here in town. I mean, she's like, there's like basically three people that work on these. I mean, she's strung together all these costumes, helped with the props and, I mean, this is stuff on a shoestring to make it look like it's, you know, turn of the century, you know, you know, 1900, 1800s, you know, it's like, yeah. come on. And then, you know, if you've seen the exhumed one, it's like, I feel like the night before we were supposed to shoot that, the guy who was going to play one of the leads bailed, mm. you know, and it's like, oh, dude, and I don't like. I'm one of the. I'm hair. I'm like one of the grave robbers because <laughs> I fit into the pants. <laughs> I mean, it was like the hat fit me, and I was like, "Well, I guess I'll do it." Man, I had some like nasty teeth I threw in, and we just shot it in a day. I mean, that was it. it well, it's I wanted it to look like 
they told me uh, they were, you know, I said uh, we kind of talked and it was like, I'm a big fan of the Hammer movies, the old Chris Lee, you know, That's, Dracula stuff. They had yeah. a real saturated, this real saturated look, and that was kind of what we talked about doing. So that's what I tried to make, you know. That's what I, that's exactly yeah, what we, I said before. We were watching that video before we started rolling, and we were just talking about that. Like, we used pretty much every reference you just used. The, the, you got across yeah. that Hammer, Christopher Lee look. Yeah. Um, and that that's pretty and, well then that's all i can ask for man that was what that's what the band kind of wanted that's what i was wanting so that's a uh the ilsa one was tough too again you know they wanted a song about which they'd give me a i feel like the original concept was made no sense to me what they wanted was like a guy going into a porn store and he melts in the, the porn booth and and i was like isn't this a song about a bitch and they're like yeah and it's like you mind if I take a crack at this? Just give me a, I'll give you a concept. And, and that was kind of my thing was just like, do something that was like fitting to the music. It was like black and white. And, you know, and the, the, th when I shoot a music, when I direct a music video, it's pretty gore free. We'll say, whereas like, if you watch the dying fetus where I'm doing effects, I don't hold back. I wanted to, you know, anybody can, th and it's not like I, I don't want to throw the blood around, but it was like, I'll never top that. You know, so stylistically to me, it was like it made more sense to focus on uh, the, the imagery and the power of like, uh, you know, like I was, you know, was the Ilsa thing was totally, you know, Witchfinder General, you know, kind of yeah. stuff, you know, so. Um, well, the, but yeah, most music videos don't look like that. I, and, and I get it, you know, not everybody wants that. And I get that, you know. Well, the, the origin video, too, it might not have had gallons of blood. It struck me as kind of like a... It was really disturbing. Um, it was almost <laughs> like alien autopsy meets, like, Saw or something. You know what I mean? It was like it was like really, uh, really weird. And I felt like you kind of could get away with it more, and it could probably be... Um, uh, uh, it could probably remain uh, uncensored on more platforms because you chose to make it about a, uh, an alien or some sort of creature rather than someone doing that to a human being. It's a, it's, I think the idea was, and again, it's like, it's, it's not, I, I don't know, you know, it's the, the stuff's hit and miss, you know, and I think the idea was like a reverse alien abduction. What if, yeah. I think the idea was that this guy has been abducted and he gets a hold of an alien and we don't really flesh it out more than that. Other than he's just, it's an excuse to torture this alien and he has some flashbacks. And, uh, I think it was Mikey Flores who said, uh, I said something about cutting off his finger at some point, yeah. I think. And, and he said something about smoking it. And I was just like, it's so ridiculous. He's got to smoke the alien finger. Yeah. Course, I mean, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. But yeah, yeah, it was just throwing blood. It was no. throwing blood. I thought, you know, it was, it, it's got its moments. You know, I got an alien ding dong in there, and he takes. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, what <laughs> have you been working on? Any music videos behind the scenes lately that haven't come out yet? Anything you can talk about? No, I haven't done anything for a while. Uh, yeah, I've just. Uh, I want to say it was at the end of 20, I don't know, man. I'm trying to think, man. A rough go of it there for a while, just with the, uh, the personally, I had a bunch of stuff going on and it was like, stuff just wasn't like 
coming together for me and I knew I just couldn't, you know, I just wasn't, you know, and uh, I kind of stepped back from it and, uh, uh, you know, then we had the COVID stuff and, uh, you know, and then that, you know, that just killed all of this, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless you, unless you were doing, uh, you know, animated videos in your basement. I mean, really not a lot going on. So we kind of, uh, you, you know, I'd like to start doing some stuff again. It, again, it's all about, you know, you get more than two people together. It's like, uh, regardless of what anyone thinks, it's like, you know, I'm always worried about people's safety, even pre-COVID, you know, on the sets, making sure what we're doing, everybody's having fun. I'm trying to compensate people and uh, make sure that everybody's safe. And, and, and especially now, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I would feel beyond horrible if i shot a video and then i made a bunch of people sick yeah you know so shit like that sits the back of my head so uh but you know uh there's some stuff going hopefully we'll see some you know i'd love to i'd love to shoot a feature i've got some stuff in mind again i just want to make sure that you know uh I i can do it whatever i do i can do it justice you know and and do it obviously now we're in a day and age where i want to make sure and do it safely and uh you know uh, we're going to get to a point we're going to run out you know for, if they started you know if they're not making movies uh, uh going to run out of stuff to watch so it's like uh people will be ready for the uh the next wave of uh shitty direct-to-video movies and huh. i'm hoping to be at the head of the the ship driving it right into the iceberg <laughs> we gotta hook this guy up with adam rotella man my buddy, my my buddy Adam uh, is into the. He does some really lowest possible imaginable budget uh, VHS gore movies, man. Um, and I say that with all due respect. That's his aesthetic. Uh, I mean, that's where I came. I mean, I I love that. I still have a. Again, like I said, that's kind of what I started off. Getting, yeah. You know, getting my feet into is like these shot on VHS. Oh, you need some. You need a exploding head okay you know <laughs> that, i always have always have a soft spot for it. i mean the music videos at this point they're not much more than that sometimes you know well uh, the music video the death metal music video seems maybe like you've kind of struck and hit a perfect balance a perfect format that brings together um you know both both of those passions because the b horror movies if you condense it down into that two or three or four minute format with the uh, energetic, aggressive music going the whole time, it, it kind of um, it makes a nice, nice little package. You know what I mean? It's and it's a little bit more condensed than a full length movie. Yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, nobody has the attention span. Everybody, and you, you know, it's like I always we just you know I'm making tiny movies. Yeah. I don't make me. There's really not much different than when uh, you know we're working on a feature. Really, uh, other than the, maybe we don't shoot as long. I shoot usually shoot this stuff out in a day. We spend a week pre-production, getting all of our ducks in a row, making sure we got everything, and then we line it up, and we know that's budget-wise, that's what we have to deal with, so we're like a day. So it's like a tiny movie. You know, yeah. it really is. And that's how I always like, you know, uh, especially the Exhumed one. I'm really proud, like, uh, you know, the, the guy who shot it's a guy named jason Cantu. he lives here in town and i'd worked with him on some features and i just knew he would do it justice and i was able to get him uh, i had enough money i could throw at him and you know uh 
it was ridiculous. We shot it on a red camera, really, you know, a really expensive camera that it, it's sad because most people will watch that video on their phone. You know? ah. So, but I didn't care. You know, you know I was like, I want to, I want to do this material justice. So that's the, that's the, that's the bummer about doing stuff like this. If, uh, you know, it costs money, you know, to get those expensive cameras, you know, and it's a uh, overhead that most bands just can't just. Well, the, uh, the phone is the modern day VHS or the, or the label won't. Yeah. Well, you know, you have, uh, <laughs> it is, to- I would kill to do a cannibal course. I mean, I've seen the last few that they've done and, and they're pretty good, but like, you know, I feel like, you know, and I'm not talking shit on anybody because Lord knows I could get out there and just create a big turd, you know, but I always feel like, gosh, man, it's like, there's, there's just always a little, it's just lacking, you know, it's just like, they're so close. You know, I want a little more. I hear Cannibal Corpse, you know, I just want a little more. And I just, I just don't feel like I've gotten that, you know, I don't know. That's just me though. I, uh, that's me wanting to do a Cannibal Corpse video. So I mean, I think that's well, a pretty, yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> reasonable thing to want in a lot of ways. So I hear you. Yeah, no, and you know, you see, it's like, you see the zombie chasing the girl with the chainsaw. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's a thing, you know, okay. I've seen it. You know? Uh, the material is so much richer than that, you know, that's just me. That's just me. Uh, and, but again, in all fairness, you know, I say that with, and I, then I also say, you know, what were the budgets and you, you shoot with what you have, you know, if they're giving you $500 to go out and make this, well, you know, I get it, you know? So, uh, but that's, you know, that's kind of what it is, you know, it's, it's a really, it's a really, it's really tough. It's really tough to, you know, because you want to do these grandiose things and you just don't have most of the time, you just don't have the budget. So then it becomes, you know, something like, uh, the macabre video that I did, um, which was really funny because, uh, they had actually hired me to do almost like a, an announcement video that they'd been signed to Nuclear Blast. And um, I, ha- I just had an idea. I said, you know what? What if we go back? And uh, it, it was just like a, a bonus thing. I said, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm friends with Travis Ryan, and he, I think he looks just like Ted Bundy. It was like, and I knew Sinister Slaughter. Uh, they had an anniversary of some sort, or I thought, you know what, we could do this video for like uh, Bundy's uh, anniversary of his death or something, and they bought off on it. And I mean, I had 10 cents to make that thing, but I think it's really kind of cool, man. I don't know if you guys have watched it, and the thing, it's like, it's so, it's, it's funny, so everything in that video is fake. I put Travis in all these pictures and these videos. There's all this crime scene footage and there's these crime scene pictures and news foot. It's all fake, man. What? It was all like just done on a dime. Uh, well, if anyone wants to watch any of these, most of them you could probably track down on YouTube and you also have your own uh, Vimeo. Yeah. 
uh, Vimeo page under your name, Jeffrey, uh, S-I-S-S-O-N, Sisson. Um, and, yeah, like you mentioned, there's some work with Macabre, uh, not just the promo, there's also with uh, Exhumed, Gruesome, that Ilsa video and that Origin video we talked about, and others. Um, and, you know, we talked a fair amount about Troglodyte. Uh, we're anticipating your new release that you talked a little bit about. And if people want to check and go back, you have several full lengths and your Anthropoid uh, uh, effigy demos on the Bandcamp page for Troglodyte. And uh, as we as we move on here, um, I'm just going to give you the opportunity before we wrap up and ask you for some recommendations if there's anything else to plug besides what I just mentioned. Gosh, man. Uh I don't know, man. I mean, I I try to keep myself busy. I know I feel I feel like I'm. I'll get off here and think of ten things I should have said that were more poignant or uh, moving. Probably, I'm in another band called Hosferatu. That's right. Co- yes, I neglected to mention. We just did a cover of uh, for a. There's a, a label here in, in KC called The Company. Josh will appreciate that plug. Uh, but he asked us to do a cover, uh, pick a Motorhead song. It was all these bands from KC doing uh, Motorhead covers. And we did Iron Fist, and we didn't want to do it up like every, you know, a normal. So we kind of put the, the Hoss spin on it, if you will. It's a little more doom and gloom stuff. But that's that's something that I kind of mess around with uh, when we're not singing about Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like... Uh, I don't know. You guys are really cool to talk to. I like, you know, it's, I don't, I obviously need to get out of the house a little more. Well, we all do in the last, the last year and a half has been rough on all of us, man. We exceed most people outside yeah. of the house. I go to that, my friend. I broke into the sweats going to a wedding the other day. It was crazy. <laughs> but, Dude, it's, uh, again, it's, uh, we live in strange days and I, I, I hope and look forward to the days where we can go back to, I hope we can return to some some sort of normalcy, if you will. I, I want to go back to shows. I want to see bands play. I want to be able to tour. Uh, you know, that's, uh, we all long for that, I guess. You know, go back to the movie theaters and see Joe Spinell on a 50-foot screen sweating. God. I mean, who wouldn't Who wouldn't want that? Three-foot really? Yeah, dude. Of, of you know, course. So, yeah, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I appreciate the plugs, man. Troglodyte. Uh, I mean, if you looked up Bigfoot death metal, you could find this for the, I know people struggle with the spelling of troglodyte sometimes. So I always tell them just do Bigfoot death metal. All of our studio albums are out there. We've got a live album that was professionally recorded. The demos, uh, you can see some of them. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where we're at with that. We're hoping, we're hoping to get some new stuff out. We'll get some new stuff out before the end of the year, one way or another. I mean, if we don't, I think as a band, we already talked about it. We're not going to sit around on it forever. We'll put, we put, we've put all these albums out ourselves, and we've done, uh, you know, we've been pretty lucky. We, we found a little, our little nook, our little universe, and uh, our fans are super supportive. And we've been able to, you know, prepare merch. They uh, buy the CDs. We want to put this stuff, we want to do this stuff justice and get it out on vinyl. So, um, yeah, we're just tr- trying to keep evolving. So, 
All right, and and um, uh, before we let you go, as uh, we do with all of our guests, we're going to ask you to recommend one newer and one older album by any artist from any genre, just as a recommendation. And just for you, I'm going to add on also, could you recommend just one horror movie for us um, from any era, uh, any 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 sub-genre of horror movies at all? All right, let's work backwards. So you just <laughs> dropped the, because I have uh, the memory retention of a gnat sometimes, so... No short-term memory. So let's do movie first. Let's do um, one of my favorite horror movies. Some people wouldn't consider it a horror movie, but one of my favorite horror movies is William Friedkin's 1980 film, Cruising. Huh, not familiar. Probably not. Al Pacino goes undercover into the gay S&M world to find a serial killer. The movie came out universally hated. Hated. Straight people didn't know what they were watching. Gay people were mad as hell and hated it. They thought, now everyone's going to think we're serial killers. Uh, Totally misunderstood. Like, kind of was lost for decades. Uh, I feel like it's found a new uh, life. Uh, Is it Arrow? Arrow, uh, the UK company, they they pushed out a beautiful Blu-ray of this. And love it, hate it, it elicits a reaction. And, you know, to me, that's something. You know, most movies don't do that. And it is, uh, it's this ambiguous, uh, all the dots aren't connected, the, the, pieces aren't all there for you and it kind of leaves you to kind of draw some of your own it's totally worth your time again love it or hate it it, it, i mean a movie that you watch even if you hate if it's elicits that kind of response i mean if you step back and look isn't that something you know um the movie's a trip it's a trip i recommend that because most people haven't seen it i'll look it up okay Yeah, dude. I mean, it's, it's, I would say, and again, you talk about movies that a movie made in 1980, you know, again, still packs some shock. It has some shock value. And uh, totally worth your time. I would say that. That's a good horror movie. I think people don't, and, you know, William Freakin's no slouch. I mean, the dude with The Exorcist. I know he's yeah. done a lot of other yeah. things, but. Uh, Goes a long way. It does, man. He's a good director. He's a good director. And that, that Blu-ray release that they did, uh, there were, I don't know, I think it's on there. There's two documentaries that are every bit as interesting as the movie itself. Okay. All right. And and Okay. What was the next question? Uh, I already forgot. I'm so spent. An, an old and a new album. An old and a new album. By any man, artist you like here. Old album, right off the top of my head. I'm a huge ministry fan. I say filth big. Wow. Okay. A lot of people go right for, um, uh, you know, Psalm 69, you know, and I get that. I would say uh, I'm going to kind of break the rules. I'm going to bend them slightly here. I would say filth pig and dark side of the spoon, man. Huge, huge fan both of those i usually the reason i say it, i listen to them both at the same time okay i gotta go back and uh check out more ministry over the years 
like, man, I just like it, man. I mean, those guys are straight up screaming metal, dude. I mean, it, that's especially you know, uh, Filth Pig's great, man. Filth Pig, Dark Side of the Spoon. I for some reason I always like. I got into this. You know, everybody loves. Uh, you know, everybody loves Psalm sixty nine. You know, it's it's got all the big hits. You know, that made them all the dough. But those two. Those two are good, man. You couldn't go wrong with either one of those. I find myself that I I, I find myself listening to that. Uh, I go back and revisit it constantly. I don't know why. It's just I love it, man. I really love it. Awesome. Yeah, I got I gotta go back and, and you know, industrial is something that we don't cover as much on this program. Something that we got to delve into a little bit from time to time. We talk about it. Um, yeah, and you know, you just you just hit the nail on the head, man. That those albums are about as industrial as nothing. But that's just straight up screaming metal. Dude. Mm. Mike Scacia, you know, from uh, Rigor Mortis. I mean, he came in there and played on pretty much everything from Psalm sixty nine on. That guy's a. I mean, that guy was a rapper, man. A big Rigor Mortis fan, and that was like, it was so like, holy smokes, this guy's in ministry now. Are you kidding me? I can tell. You can tell. Man, this guy's that's metal guitar. It's metal guitar across the board. All right, I got. I it. do like industrial stuff. God Flesh is pretty cool too. So yeah. Um, and then a new one, dude. I gotta. I gotta think about this. I was spinning the. Uh, uh, it was the night before last. I didn't realize that it came out and. Uh, I went on band. I love Bandcamp, by the way. I went on Bandcamp and I was listening to uh, the new Hooded Menace. Yeah, I saw. I haven't got a ch- the, the Tritonus Bell, right? I haven't got yeah, a chance yeah. to check that out. Uh, yet. I haven't heard it yet. Uh, yeah, I went on there the other night and uh, uh, I didn't realize it had dropped. Yeah, and I started listening to it and I kind of got sidetracked a little bit. But I, I really like, really like those guys. Um, it's really good. I really liked it, man. I, but you know, it's kind of mood music too. I don't know. I th- it was something a little different. That that's a bad. I'm all over, man. I, I'm all over the. I mean, you know, metal stuff. It's like I try not to like paint myself in the metal corner, but I, you know, I go back and listen to that stuff. I, I do. It's uh, I listen to it all of the. I mean, I can't just sit. And, I don't know about you guys. I can't, I just can't sit and listen to death metal all day long. Hmm, that controversial opinion. I'm making yeah, pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. That's. I feel like we have I, I to mean, end the show now. I, uh, I might. I might. Lo- I might lose my. Uh, I might lose my. Uh, my membership card with these controversial comments. I can't, man. I mean, I find that if I do, I lose and appreciate. Like it, everything starts. Tur- and I know that's not the. It's not the case. It kind of turns into this drone. Like everything starts running together. Um, so I kind of try to bust it up with stuff, man. So, uh, you know, it just keep, keeps everything rounded. You know, I love like, you know, soundtracks, Goblin. God, I love that stuff. Oh yeah. We talked, yeah, we talked about stuff like that. uh, When we had Patrick Bruss on, we talked about Goblin. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah. 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 Of course, you know. I mean, you know, stuff like that. I really, I really dig. I, I'm all. Over, I mean, I'm sitting here talking to you in my office, and I got this wall of like vinyl that, you know, I try. I made a conscious effort to move away from, like, listening to. I like listen. You know, you listen to stuff online. It's so easy, but 
man, I'll, I'll grab a vinyl and it's real tactile. And I'm I kind of forced to, it kind of got me back into music a little bit. And I've been collecting vinyl since I was a kid, you know. Uh, but, you know, you put it on and you're not listening to 20 seconds of a song. Skip into the next one. I'm kind of in the same boat. I might, I might have to wait on that new hooded menace for the same reason. Maybe just pick up a, a I, physical copy, man. That, that's a good recommendation. I, I know. Of I, by surprise. No, and I, I, no, and I saw. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was listening to this. I was like, oh, I, I bet this sounds good on vinyl, you know. Yeah. And I, I still listen. To, you know, I don't know about you guys, but it was. It was probably about like. I don't know, like the 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 golden age of the iPod, where you're listening to 20 seconds of every song on your 16 gig iPod. Yeah, jumping around. I got nothing to listen to. Yeah, well, that's that's. So I just of, got rid of it. I got rid. There's a lot of common ground because that's 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 where that's where I'm at now. I don't really stream music or have. I don't even have like a MP3 player anymore. I'm just kind of more into the physical formats for the appreciation but yeah that that new uh hooded menace caught me by surprise i gotta get that man um and i told you yeah totally totally snuck up on us man i knew it was coming and i kind of you know you got the uh the great uh west ben scotter did the artwork mm-hmm. you know he's doing the new master uh you know he does the cattle decap stuff i mean the art looked great i'm just like oh yeah i gotta get in i gotta i gotta dip into this man oh, who yeah. was it that's doing the c-sharp programming that's me bless your heart thank you doing god it's uh i i'm working <laughs> on it nah dude that's my day you know my day i don't do c sharp but i'm like you know i work for an ad agency and I'm, I'm in front of a computer it's like you know email marketing and marketing stuff so it's real easy to sit in front of the computer and put on the headphones and just like you know drone out on my code and they're doing something so i totally forgot i remember it's like C sharp, God, man, holy smokes! I'm gonna say I'm gonna add that guy to prayer list tonight. Well, thank you. I appreciate your prayers because I definitely need them. I'm gonna start a prayer chain. Thank, yeah, it's it's gonna go a long way. Definitely appreciate it. <laughs> I'll check in. I'll we'll have a check back. See how it's going six months from now. Awesome. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> All right, so uh, Jeff uh, Sisson from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, people know you from Troglodyte, also from the music videos we mentioned before. Um, we thank you very much for your time and for your input, man. I really enjoyed getting horror movies back into the conversation on the podcast here. As we mentioned, um, people can go to the Troglodyte Bandcamp and check out all of your uh, older material. We're going to keep our, our ears and eyes peeled for that newer stuff. Um, and just, uh, Jeff, it was great talking to you. Any parting words? for fans of your work and listeners of our show um you probably need some uh mental help that i can't (laughs) no uh no thank you thank you so much man i you guys are uh, again you know i i you know you're too kind and uh you know i thank all anybody who uh checks us out you know we've got really great fans and that's you know you can't really ask for much more than that we uh, we always appreciate that, and I, I appreciate your time uh, listening to me ramble. <laughs> all, all good, man. We thank you for the conversation, man. Uh, and Jeff, uh, as always, we'll be in touch with you in a few weeks as this episode goes up, and um, uh, reconnect with you with, with all the links and all that sort of thing, man. Uh, you guys are the bomb, man. I'm, like I said, I was uh, I was listening to the. Uh, it's good stuff, man. I like like I said, I've never been a big podcast dude. I was listening, uh, and the name escapes me, uh, from Blood Incantation. 
Uh, oh, Morris, was the one from last week? Yeah. 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 That was a good one, man. He go kind of did the deep dive a little, or did the dive into the art, little art controversy. It's good stuff, man. You guys got it going on, man. <laughs> so I'm going to tune in. So I don't know if I'll listen to myself ramble, but. Ugh. Hey, man. It's been fun. We appreciate <laughs> it. Appreciate no, your time. Thank man. you again. Seriously, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. No, right, no problem, Jeff. Thank you, man. And we, and like I said, I'll be in touch uh, probably two or three weeks. This episode will go up, man. I'll, I'll shoot you another message, man. Fantastic. Take care, guys. I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks again, dude. You too. That was our interview with Jeff Sisson from uh, Kansas City, Missouri, talking about his band Troglodyte, talking about his work in extreme metal music videos. Again, you can check out his work on uh, his Vimeo page, or you could just look up videos by Macabre, Exhumed, Ilsa, Origin, and many more that we talked about. Uh, we appreciate the man's time. That was a great horror movie conversation. Yeah, we got in the thick of it. Yeah. Love that shit. I gotta, Shout out to Joe yeah. Spinell. I got to start watching horror movies. <laughs> you come over. I'm, uh, but I already kind of booked the rest of my year out. I'm just going to be finding restaurants and bands named Wood Booger. Ah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm trying to visit all of those restaurants and see all of those bands. Yeah, the different names given to the uh, Sasquatch creature around the world, man. It's uh, it's interesting, man. Uh, it reminds me a little bit about Fergus. Fer- he talked about that movie, The Pit. That's yeah. actually a Fergus. Yeah, Fergus from Buckshot wanted to do a Buckshot music video based on that movie. I remember watching the first time I watched yeah. The Pit um, the little kid in it, he looks a lot like you as a little kid Justin. <laughs> he looks, no freaking way. Yeah. I, well, mean, I don't remember a lot of my childhood so maybe you're maybe. the pit. He's wearing, night, he's wearing blue grape edition <laughs> gore guts shorts. That's that's how we knew, <laughs> yeah. knew it was oh, you man. man. Channeling the energy man. I like him. He's a I, little kid who's just like I want to see some titties. Well, like, real enough. life. I, got, I can relate. I yeah. got a list of movies from this conversation. I wrote The Pit, Night of the Demon, Cruising. That's that sounds weird. Like Speed and, Two, uh, Cruise Control. I know that, <laughs> I know that movie. And Legend of Boggy Creek. Listen, something else you might know, Justin. Yeah. All right, because I'm in a high speed chase right now to get out of this episode. We've been going for a long time. Let's go. Time to wrap it up, kid. What if I wanted a fashionable Heavy Hole Podcast t-shirt to wear because my uh, Hawaiian Magnum PI t-shirt, uh, button-up shirt, I mean, blew off uh, when I had the top down. Yeah, well, there's that's a great question, Will. Uh, let me try to answer it. Uh, <laughs> try. You can go to heavyholepodcast.com slash shop. Uh, that'll bring you to buy uh, patches, mm. nice square patches yes. for your boxy uh, figure. Yeah, you know, that's what I want to who say. You, who are you talking to? You can buy a white T-shirt where most of the front is is just plain white. Yeah. Uh, in case the LAPD um, takes your car and pulls up in front of a bus and they have to write bomb on bus and then throw it into the windshield of that bus just to let everybody know that Keanu Reeves is coming on. They're going to save the day. Yes. He's going to save it. So that's that's, what, that's all, why that's what the shirt's for. That's, you could also uh, wear it uh, to all the functions. Uh, in the autumn, as the summer uh, leaves 
us. Yeah, they, they said you, no white yeah. pants, but they never said anything about no white shirt. That is yeah. right. Apple picking season coming upon us. Yeah, you yeah. can also tie dye it for the uh, solstice. Yeah, the 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 the, 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 the fall the autumn the autumnal. <laughs> Equinox. Yeah, whoa, uh, whoa. Woodland creature festivals uh, over there. Um, e- Equipus? Woodbugs. You can... Woodbuggers. Yeah, uh, you can... Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Listen. You can he- also go to heavyholepodcast.com. <laughs> you can check us off all the links. You want You want to follow us on your social media of choice. You want to give us a little extra money for the Heavy Hole Patreon bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to buy that sweet merch Justin was talking about That's and the, right. the VHS copy of Speed, if it's still on there. You <laughs> Anything hit- you want to do, man, you go to heavyholdpodcast.com. Thank you very much to Jeff Sisson, our guest man from Kansas City, Missouri. Check out troglodytebandcamp.com. It's well worth your while if you're a fan of classic Floridian death metal or even some of our localized bands here in Long Island, New York that you might be more familiar with, man. It's, uh, it's quality music. Um, behind the uh, 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 shadowy Sasquatchian interdimensional traveler image. Uh, so thanks again to Jeff. We appreciate his time. Um, but, you know, when it comes to all these Sasquatch and Bigfoot movies and the, the hairy guys and all that sort of thing, um, <sighs> Harry and the Hendersons, man, that's the only one. Oh, 